Hey, we're going to continue our series today. We started last week. This is called Summer with the Shepherd, and we're looking at Psalm 23, a very familiar psalm. We're trying to unpack it and maybe look at it in ways that you've not really discovered it before. Last week, we started off with that first phrase talking about the Lord is my shepherd, and what that really means to know that this shepherd, this Yahweh God, is really mine. And today, I want to look at the rest of that verse. If you have your sermon outline, you want to take that out, track along, you can. We'll throw everything up on the screen. I want to look at Psalm 23 and verse 1. Let's throw that up on the screen and let's read it out loud together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Read that last phrase again. I have all that I need. Now, just think about this for a second. Is that true of you? Do you have or feel like you have all that you need? No, really interesting in um, just doing, reading some commentaries or some background on Psalm 23 from different writers. It was really interesting how uh, different commentators have different opinions about when the psalm was written. Um, Some felt that it was written early in David's life. Um, You know, he was a shepherd and that he was writing out of his experience as a shepherd and all this stuff was still fresh for him. Um, Other commentators felt like David actually wrote this later in life, um, that he was looking back on his life, thinking about his younger years and realizing as an older man um, how much the Lord really had been a shepherd to him. Now, I got to be honest with you, um, maybe it's because where I'm at in my own stage of life, but I really resonated with that Um, because I'll I'll be frank, I'm I'm, going to full confession here. I am over 30 years of age. I just admit that. Um, And now, you know, being in advanced years, I have a different perspective on life than I had when I was young. And there were a lot of things, you know, when I was young and ambitious, um, there were a lot of things that I wanted. But now I can look back and think more soberly about the things that I needed. And can can I say something with you? God gave me everything that I needed along the way. And I think sometimes it takes a little bit of perspective to fully understand that. The Lord is my shepherd, and I really have had all that I need. Now, I want to I talk about that verse from a couple of different angles. You ready? Here, here we go. Uh, the title of this message is called All You Need. And, and let's just unpack this together for a few different thoughts. Here's the first one. You can trust God for your daily needs. You can trust God for your daily needs. And I, I think when we, when we think about this verse, I, mean, I have all I need, I think that's kind of where our mind goes. Do, you know, do I have enough food to eat today? Do I, do I have something to drink? Do I have a place to live? Does, does God meet uh, my daily needs of life? And, and I think you know, we, we kind of say, yeah, I think we do. And even though, can we be honest, we take so much of that for granted. I mean, when we woke up this morning, we weren't thinking about, will I have air to breathe? You know, we just started breathing. Uh, you know, we didn't really think about, do I have a place to live? We woke up in a place. You know, will there be food? Well, we know that there's food. And we don't, we don't really think about the fact that God in his graciousness has provided that. Uh, you know, reminds us that, you know, James says that every, every good and perfect gift that we have comes from God. Amen. I mean, he's provided all of that. And I love how when David's framing God, I love the, this word that he used. He calls him a shepherd. Now, I don't know what kind of, of image comes to your mind, but, 
but shepherds we think of as, as very caring. And I, I think maybe David was thinking about how, you know, he made sure that his sheep had, you know, nice pasture to graze on. He made sure that they were around well-watered places where they could drink. I think David maybe thought about just kind of how he looked out for the sheep, made sure that they didn't wander too far away or if they got themselves stuck in a bush somewhere. You know, he, and I, I just think that, you know, he thought about that kind of care. And that really is the kind of care that God has for us. Uh, in fact, I, I love how uh, Peter says it in 1 Peter 5. Throw that picture up on the screen. I saw this last week. I thought it was so cool. Read this out loud with me. Cast all your anxiety on him because he, he cares for you. And I just want you to let that image sink in for a second. Because some of us, when, when we think about God, if we're honest, a shepherd or a caring God is not really the kind of God we think of. I think some of us, because of our experiences or, or maybe some of the things we've been through, some of us think of God as a distant God. You know, he's out there somewhere, but he's not really involved in my day-to-day life. Or, or, or maybe we think of God as kind of a gruff old man. You know, he's there, and, you know, if you nag him enough, he, he might give you something, but he's, he's kind of that. And, or, or some of us maybe even think of God as a, you know, as, as a cosmic cop. That's kind of how I thought of him when I was growing up. You know, God, you know, God was, you know, the, the, the divine Clint Eastwood who was just always walking around going, go ahead, make my day, you know. And he was just waiting for you to mess up so he could take you out. But, but that's not the picture of God at all. David said he's a, he's a shepherd who cares for us and takes care of our daily needs. (laughs) Um, Lynn Anderson wrote a book called They Smell Like Sheep. It was a great book. It was a book he wrote actually for pastors and Christian leaders. And it's just the idea behind it is that you ought to be close enough to your sheep that you actually smell like them, you know, that that there's there's this bond and uh, he was funny, in his book, he was talking about he and his wife were in Palestine on a, on a tour group. And he said, we were on a bus, and as we were driving through some of the pasture land there in Palestine, he said, our tour guide was uh, telling us uh, about how shepherds were. And he was talking about how shepherds loved their sheep. And he said, I, the, the tour guide was talking about all of the, the various things that shepherds do to watch over their sheep and make sure that they're well cared for. And he said he was just, you know, giving us all these beautiful, beautiful pictures and it just, you know, talking about that's God, you know, the, he just watches over you like that. And he said, in the middle of this talk, this tour guide stops and he starts laughing. He goes, I got to tell you guys a story. And he said, the tour guy said, I was doing this spiel uh, a few weeks ago. And he said, as I'm telling this, you know, beautiful tale of, of how shepherds are and how wonderfully they care for the sheep. And he goes, I was, he goes, I felt like I was really nailing it that day. And he goes, and in the middle of my spiel, he goes, I'm looking. And he said, none of the people on the bus were looking at me. They were all looking out at the window. And he said, and I, I looked outside and he said, there's actually a, a flock of sheep. But this shepherd, was, he wasn't in front of them leading them. He was behind them. And he said he was not in a good mood. He said the shepherd was throwing rocks at the sheep. You know, get going, get over there. And he said he had a stick and he was, he was smacking some of them when they tried to wander away. He said he had a sheep dog and he kept going, go get him, boy. You know, and he said he was sicking the sheep dog on him. And he goes, here's this guy. He goes, I'm telling this beautiful story of oh, how loving and caring shepherds are. And here's a guy, he's throwing rocks, he's smacking with sticks, he's sicking the dog. And he goes, and I'm going like, you're running my story, man. You know, 
And the guy said he stopped the bus, he got off, he ran out into the pasture and he, and he confronted this shepherd. He said, dude, what are you doing? You're, you're ruining my tail. You shepherds are supposed to be kind and caring and loving and, and you're doing this. And he said, the guy looked at him for a second like, are you out of your mind? And he looks at him and then he said, oh no, no, you got it all wrong. I'm not a shepherd, I'm a butcher. <laughs> Suddenly everything made a lot of sense, you know. Yeah, Jesus contrasts that when he, when he was talking about the Satan. He goes, you know, the, the thief, now he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But not me. I'm, I'm the good shepherd. And, and as you think about a God who meets you at your point of need, that's the image that I want you to have, is not a butcher, <laughs> but a shepherd who's caring in all of his ways. Jesus makes some great descriptions uh, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, he was talking about just our daily needs. And he said, you know what? Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the minds of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Read it out loud with me. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. How much does God care for you? Let this sink in. Uh, in Matthew 10, he says, what's the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. Read it with me, church. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Don't let your heart be anxious and troubled about your daily needs. Your father has his eye on the sparrow, and you know what? He watches over you. Amen? You can trust him with your daily needs. Let me take, take that to a little deeper level, though. Not only can you trust God with your daily needs, but I want to encourage you today to put faith in God for your impossible needs. For your impossible needs. My, my guess is that as I was talking about God taking care of our daily needs, some of you were thinking to yourself, well, Pastor Steve, you have no idea what's going on in my life, man. I mean, daily needs are one thing, but I've got some stuff going on that, that is big, really big. Can God deal with that really, really big stuff? Yes, he can. I love the passage of scripture from Ephesians chapter three and verse 20. Paul says, glory belongs to God whose power is at work in us. Read it with me, church. By this power, he can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Let that sink in for a second. God can do more than you can think about or even begin to imagine. Jesus really tried to push on the faith of people to believe God for more in their life. That's why in Matthew 19, it said, but Jesus looked at them and he said what? Read it with me. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Look at me. Do you believe that? I'm gonna look you in the eye and tell you that our God is big enough to take care of even the impossible needs in your life. Well, what are you talking about, Steve? Well, let me give you a few. You can trust God for that impossible healing. You could trust God for that impossible healing. I, I've shared this story before. But 
it's just, I, it's just so fresh in my mind. I mean, it's just, it's just, it was such a vivid experience for me. In my one of my very first hospital visits I ever did as a youth pastor uh, when I was here at Chartel back in the '80s. And Pastor Hader, our senior pastor, sent me to, to, to visit a man who was down in St. Anthony's Hospital. Our, our church then was right next door to St. Anthony's. And uh, so I ran over and I went up to visit a guy by the name of Norris Waddell. And I'll never forget, it was, you know, it was one of the first times in the hospital, and I'm a pastor now, and that was back in the days when I wore a tie, you know, and I was all dressed up. And I, you know, I was a little bit scared because I was afraid that I'm going to end up like stepping on the guy's oxygen tube or, you know, something. And, you know, there's all those things that go through your mind. And so I was trying to be really careful, but I was really nervous. And I'm, I'm trying to, to generate talk. And Norris was an older man, and, and uh, you know, I didn't know what was wrong with him. I didn't know why he was there. And I'm trying to make some small talk, and I'm, you know, how you doing, da, da, da. And I didn't know what to say. And finally, finally, I just said, well, you know, I didn't want to say, well, what's wrong with you? I just, I finally just said, well, Norris, you know, what are the doctors saying? And I'll never forget this. I'll never forget Norris Waddell looking up at me and going, the doctors say I have six months to live. Now, I'm 25 years old. Uh, you know, I've not, I've not done much of this kind of stuff. And I, and I could just feel my jaw hitting the ground. I mean, what do, you, what do you say to a guy who's, who's telling you that he's only been given six months to live? And I'm just like, uh, uh, uh. And I'll never forget Norris sitting there, laying there in his bed. And all of a sudden, he starts laughing. He breaks out in this big grin, just starts laughing. He goes, but that was 17 years ago. <laughs> Norris had been diagnosed with cancer and the doctors had told him it was a stage four cancer that you're not going to survive this. Get your house in order. You got six months to live. 17 years later, Norris Waddell is still kicking. Norris talked about how the saints prayed over him and how God did something that the doctors thought was impossible. Ladies and gentlemen, I could give you story after story after story about God intervening when the doctor said there is no, there is no hope. There's nothing we can do. That doesn't mean there isn't something God can do. Amen. Impossible. God, you can trust God for your impossible. You can trust God for your impossible financial needs. You can trust God for your impossible financial need. Because I hear a lot of people's stories, I promise you, I could have people pop up all over the sanctuary today that could tell you their story of how God showed up in ways that they never, never dreamed about. In fact, just, just by a show of hands, how many of you have had God intervene in your life financially in ways you couldn't begin to imagine? Look, come on, look at the hands. It's all across. Yeah, over and over again. And again, I don't know, I don't know what your need is. Don't know, you know what, what you've, you've got, but here's what I do know. God has resources that you don't know anything about. You can trust God for that financial need. And you know what? You can trust God for your impossible situation. You can trust him for your impossible situation. God has worked in ways, as I look back across my life, he's opened doors that I never dreamed could be open. He, he solved problems that I never thought could be solved. I, I've seen God untie knots of situations that I never could believe could be untied. God is an amazing God. And you can trust him. There's a, a, a really cool testimony I read by a young lady named Madeline. And, uh, and she was just talking about God's provision for her and her, her family. Let, let's listen to her story. She said, I've had the privilege of experiencing God's provision countless times in my life. And she said, today, I just want to share just a, a, a short personal testimony. She said, as I got pregnant with our daughter, she said, my husband and I were both students, and we were really struggling financially. 
She said, caring for a child comes with a lot of joy, but it also comes with a lot of material needs. How many of you have discovered kids are expensive? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. And she said, it wasn't long. She goes, we, we weren't sure what to do. But she said, then it wasn't long that people came up to give us different things that we might need. And without even asking, we had different family members. We had friends. We had even strangers who brought us baby supplies, uh, gave us money, and all kinds of helpful information. She said, we received piles and piles of baby clothing in different sizes to cover the first six months of my daughter's life. She said, nothing was lacking by the time our daughter was born. She goes, and I thought about Philippians 4, 19, which says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then she goes on to say, the promise that God provides, it was completely manifested in our situation. She said, by the time our daughter arrived, we had hardly spent any money of our own and had more than enough to care for her. And God provided even more. This was so cool. She said, we didn't have a car. And so we had to organize and, and, and ask for a friend if they would give us a car for the week that our baby was due. We thought if we could have a car for that week that our baby was due, then we at least have, you know, have it there. And when, when the baby came, we could get to the hospital. She said, of course, as life would have it, to our surprise, my water broke two weeks early. <laughs> she said, my water broke two weeks early in the middle of the night. And she goes, here we are, 2 a.m., my water broke. She said, but you know what? She said, the day before that, a friend of ours placed his car in front of our house and put his keys in our mailbox and just in case if we had a need. She goes, and so when that night when the my water broke, we had a car there and at two in the morning we're driving to the hospital to deliver our little girl. She said, later we asked my, our friend, why in the world did you give us the car then? We didn't need it for another two weeks. He goes, I just felt led to do so. Look at me, before you ask, God will answer. He knows, amen? He knows. And he can take care of even the needs that you think are impossible. Let me take you to even a deeper level. Go to God to meet your deepest needs. Go to God to meet your deepest needs. I think that one of the ways that our lives really get off track is each and every one of us have some really deep-seated needs that sometimes we look for something or someone outside to meet, and they are needs that only God can meet. What are those? Let me give you a couple. Your need for unconditional love. Your need for unconditional love. You know, if I were to ask you the question, why do people love you? Some of you would go, I have no idea. <laughs> Some of you would go, well, I think they love me be because I'm caring. They love me because I'm kind. They love me because I love them. Look at me. But who loves you at your worst? Who loves you when no one else does? God. Look at the passage of scripture from Romans chapter five and verse eight. Read it out loud, church. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Look at me, don't miss this. God loved you when you were a mess. 
God loved you when you were at your worst. God loved you when you were doing things that you would be embarrassed to admit out loud. God loves us in the depth of our sin. His arms are open to us even then. There is a deep need in every single one of us to be loved simply because we are and not because of what we do. And can I tell you something? God's the only one who can meet that need. I could introduce you to person after person after person who has looked for love in all of the wrong places. And what they discover in the end is that there is no one who will love me like God. Throw that picture up on the screen. That gentleman is um, a guy by the name of Ryan uh, Swagalar. Uh, in February of 2020, Ryan founded the very first um, satanic church in South Africa. Um, when Ryan was asked why he uh, got into Satanism and to the, the whole satanic uh, thing, he, he talked about the fact that he had um, had a lot of, of baggage in his life. He had a lot of pain in his life. And and again, as he, as he read the, the Satanic Bible, it was filled with a lot of things that, you know, you, you have to take power for your own life. And it's not as much about uh, Satan, you know, as a, as a figure. It's more about you being God. And you take control of your own life. You, you, do, you do what you have to do. And, and he said, you know, for, for people who have been victims and people who, who have been deeply hurt, he, he said, you see a lot of people flock to that. Because they don't want to be hurt anymore. They, they want to believe that they can have control over their own life. They don't even know that control is an illusion, but they want to have control over, over their own life. And so he founds this church. Him and another guy found the first satanic church in South Africa in 2020. And, uh, and it began to grow a bit in, in popularity, began to, began to spread a little bit. In May, uh, just a few months ago, he was doing a, uh, Ryan was doing a, a, a TV or a radio interview and he, in that interview, he, he shared some of his own story. He shared about the pain he had been through. He, had, he shared about a, a lot of the stuff that he had had to deal with. And uh, after, after the interview was over, he said there was this young lady who was one of the workers at the radio station that came up to him, and uh, she just wrapped her arms around him. And she said, thank you so much for, for being so vulnerable. And I am so sorry. For all that you've gone through. And Ryan said it, it freaked him out just a little bit. He said, because he said, all, all I could tell you is when that young lady wrapped her arms around me, he said, I felt love like I'd never felt love before. He said, and it bugged me. <laughs> it really bugged me. And he said, I asked one of the other workers about this woman, what's, what's her deal? You know, that was kind of freaky. And and they said, well, she's a Christian. And uh, she said she's very passionate about her faith. And, you know, she's a very loving and kind, but, but you know, she's just a, a person of great faith. And, and he, that bothered him even more. Now, you know, now I've got this Jesus freak, you know, stuff. And, and Ryan said, you know, I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't believe Jesus was real. He said, so a couple weeks later, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm by myself. I'm in a room. And he said, I'm doing some meditating, reflecting. He said, I'm, I'm doing some reading. He said, I'm doing some, some incantations that are, are supposed to help me, you know, really channel my energy and, and, and really give me better influence. And he goes, and I thought about that encounter with that girl. And he said, and I decided to just kind of call Jesus out. 
He said, and he said again, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe he's real. And he said, so I just go, Jesus, if you're real, you know, then show yourself to me. Just show yourself to me. Don't ever dare God. Can I just say that? Don't ever dare God. He said, I'm, I'm sitting in this room and he goes, and I, I'm just going, you know, show yourself to me. And he, goes, and he said, and in that moment, I'm in this room all by myself. And he said, all of a sudden, this room was filled with the presence of God. And he said, I felt myself being totally washed in love. And he said, it was, it was so similar to what happened when that young lady wrapped her arms around me. He, she, he said, I, I knew Jesus Christ himself was wrapping his arms around me. And he said, I had never felt loved like that before. And he said, and in that moment, I knew Jesus is real. This stuff is real. A couple weeks later, he announced to the world that he was stepping away from the satanic church and that he had committed his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He did a, did a, a, a video and posted it on Facebook. He didn't want to do interviews. He didn't want to debate people. He didn't want to do any of that. He said, I'd already had people tell me it was just some cognitive encounter. And he said, but I know what I experienced. And that was the firsthand love of God. If God can love someone like Ryan and meet his need for unconditional love, guess what? He can meet your need as well. Amen? You better believe it. God meets our need for a higher purpose. God meets that deep need we have for a higher purpose. Um, after I finish this series, my, my next series starting in mid-August, I'm, I'm doing a series on the life of Moses called Living a Life that matters. You know why? Everybody wants their life to matter. You know, we don't want to just go through life and, and say that we exist. We, we want our life to mean something. And do you, you know what? God knows what your life is supposed to mean. God has plans and purposes for your life. Um, when we were sharing in staff about the International Youth Convention, um, Jared and Jordan and, and Rachel were, were talking about just some of the, the experiences there and talked about a fact that a couple of our kids during the convention really felt a special nudge for God, you know, to, to maybe step into some kind of ministry or, or, or some kind of Christian leadership of some kind, which is, which is really, really cool. And, and I'm, I love that. But here's the deal. Can I share this with you? God has a plan for all 1,900 of those youth. God has purposes for each one of them. God has purposes for you. If you want your life to really matter, I just want to encourage you, reach out to the God who made you because he has plans and purposes for you. I love one of my favorite verses of all time is in Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, verse 10. Read it out loud with me. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let me give you one more. One more deep need that I know a lot of us have. And that's your need for hope. Your need for hope. All of us have a need to know that after life has done its worst, that there's something still there that we can hang on to. I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus Christ is called our living hope. 
Because when all else fails, God will see you through. I love the passage of scripture from Hebrews chapter 6. When the writer says, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Read it with me, church. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And maybe that's yours. Maybe there are those of you who you you feel that way. You need a fresh wind of hope in your life. Jesus Christ is that living hope. You know, when I, I was thinking about uh, just the deep needs we have, and I was thinking about David, I, I thought of this. Throw, throw that up on the screen for me. This is, from, this is from Psalm 142, verses 4 and 5. He said, I, lo- I looked around. I look around, and there is no one concerned for me. I have no place to run, and no one cares for my life. Lord, I cry out to you for my help. Can you see that enough to read it out loud? You are my refuge and all I need in life. You know where David wrote that from? A cave. A cave. He was a young boy when God promised him that he would be a king. Life hadn't really gone the way that he anticipated that path to the throne would be. And here he is running for his life. Saul's out to kill him and he's hiding in a cave. And yet in that cave, David reached out to God. And the Lord became that anchor that David held onto. And if you know the storyline, David eventually came out of that cave and he made his way to the throne. And God fulfilled the promises that he had made to David long ago. Now, some of you may be able to relate to that. Some of you today may, may be thinking, Pastor Steve, that's a great description because that, that's where I feel like I'm at, man. I, I feel like I'm in this cave just surrounded by darkness. And, and today, maybe, maybe what you need is for God just to draw near and to meet that deep need that you have today for hope. Chuck's going to lead us um, in a song. It's a Hillsong song that I, I, I love the words to this. And it just, it's a prayer that cries out and says, Jesus, I need you. And maybe that's your prayer today. For, for some of you, maybe, maybe you feel like you're just at a really good place. And God's been taking care of you. And today you're grateful. And may, maybe today, maybe your response to this message today is just a prayer of thanks. That says, God, thank you. Because I can testify with David, you're my shepherd and you've taken care of all my needs. But some of you may have some impossible needs that you're dealing with. Need for healing, need for money, need for a situation that you have no control over, that you just want to come to God and say, Lord, you know this impossible need, but you're a God of the impossible. And some of you may have that deep need today. Some of you may not have been feeling so loved this last week. Some of you may feel like your life is meaningless and need God just to breathe in some plans and some purpose. Or some of you may just find yourself in darkness and, and you just need a fresh wind of hope today. Whatever your need is, listen to it again. The Lord is our shepherd. He can take care of all our needs.
This morning, while we sing that, um, you can make right where you are uh, a place of prayer for you. Uh, If some of you would like to slip out and come, the altars are open. You're more than welcome to bring your need here, to kneel before God or stand before God with it and say, Lord, this thing is heavy. I give it to you. Lord, would you meet me today at my point of need? If God sees every sparrow that falls, trust me, he sees you. Amen. Father, I thank you this morning that you know exactly what we need today. You know us better than we know ourselves. And you know the cry of every heart, of every person in this room, of every person watching online. You you know exactly what we need. God, my prayer today is that you would come, that you would meet us here. Whether our need is for daily provision, whether our need is for some impossible situation, or whether our need today is for some deep level comforting that we need, a touch of your hand, you can meet each and every one. Lord, as we lay our hearts before you, I pray that you would stretch out your hand. I pray that every single person today as they pray would feel your hand upon their shoulder, that they would hear you whisper in their ear, I've got you. That they would know, just as sure as Ryan knew in that room, enveloped in your love, that they would know today that you won't not only see their concern, but you are right there with them every step of the way. Lord, you are the God who reached out to David in the darkness of that cave and and gave him a light of hope that he could hold on to. And I pray today that you would do the same for us. Lord Jesus, draw near to each and every one. And may we find that hope an anchor for our souls. Lord, we thank you today. You are our shepherd. We have all we need. And it's in your precious name that we pray and we give you thanks. And everyone said, amen.